you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? You safe out there in Nashville? Yeah, to be honest with you, Shane, that's why we've only had this one show this week. Apologies for doing that to you. I know spring football's you know kicked into high gear here at Kentucky. LSU's getting underway. And, of course, we've already covered some South Carolina Vanderbilt. Going to try to get back to you know having more guests on around the league, try to give us some information on the spring football across the SEC, but haven't been able to do that for obvious reasons. For those that don't know, I live here in Nashville, so a bit, pretty scary situation here. Monday night, early Tuesday, So, uh, but thankfully me and my family, everyone's safe, but many in our community are not really, really devastating times up here in Nashville, but uh, a lot of people unfortunately passed and a lot of tons of damage done. There's still Still trying to get over what's happening up here. So, uh, but this, you know, mm-hmm. let's not make this a downer show. This is my favorite part of the day, hopping on here, kind of my escape from all that, ready to talk some SEC football. But definitely encourage anyone and everyone that can help, you know, do your part. Uh, even if you're not from the Nashville area, you can, there's tons of Red Cross activities and stuff you can donate to the cause because uh, this is a great city. It'll bounce back, but uh, it's, it's hurting yeah. right now. Yeah, man. Well, I'm just glad you're okay, brother. Yeah, and I've been without internet for a couple days here, so I'm on the road, <laughs> but I really wanted to make sure we at least got this one podcast out. Like I said, we're going to try to get some more interviews from across the SEC. Please don't uh, think that we're thinking less of Kentucky and LSU just got underway here. We'll try to get some guests on the show, breaking down those teams here in the coming days, hopefully, but uh, we got over a month, Shane, to break down all this yeah. camp. There's <laughs> there's really no need to have people on breaking down them these guys stretching, so. Yes, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> we got time, so uh, uh, Mike, like I said, it's, it's, we're just glad to have you back on, and I'm, I'm ready to jump in some SEC football, buddy. All right, buddy, well, let's do, before we get into the uh, actual spring news, we got some updated Heisman odds, Shane. Mm. These come, I believe, from uh, Bet Online, the online sports book, and these are a lot more interesting than the last ones we had. Remember, Jamie Newman, the Georgia quarterback, was the current favorite out of the SEC. 
Yeah. Well, he is. He's second, so he's still up there. He's at plus sixteen hundred. But the current leader, I think this is going to shock a lot of people, Shane. Alabama quarterback Mac Jones at plus fourteen hundred. He's not even won the job. I know some people have mocked me for saying, you know, that he's not the starter. They of course got the uh, Bryce Young coming in, number one recruit in the nation. I'm not I'm not saying Young's going to win the job, but. I think it's going to be a battle, but what are your thoughts on Mac Jones currently being the SEC leader for the Heisman Trophy in 2020? Interesting. Very, very interesting. And I, I just think Alabama is going to get a little bit more, I don't know, Nick Saban-esque this season. And I don't think it's going to be by the arm of the quarterback. I think it's going to be more with the running game and sound fundamental defense. So I, I think that we see a different type of offense than we saw last year. You know, this isn't the high-flying Tua-style uh, offense. They've got a lot of weapons on the outside, but I just don't think that Saban's going to want to put that much on a quarterback. I think he's going to go back to his roots and rely a bit more on the running game. So I don't like that bet. I think it's a little too high for me. Yeah, I mean – I don't think. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great quarterback, and and we talked about this in the rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's 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 a a huge drop off, but I just like I said, I don't I don't think it's going to be as much high flying as it was last season. Yeah, and the thing that you didn't hit on there, which I agree with everything you said, but if they move, a, I don't want to say completely away, but they move away a little bit from a high flying, hurry up, you know, throwing all over the field they slow it down a little it's going to hurt it's really going to help that defense yeah and i think that's going to be the key that nick saban wants to correct now obviously when they go up against a team like a clemson potentially or a mississippi state and old miss teams that are going to try to spread it out and go fast and throw it all over the yard they're going to probably have to play that game a little bit more than they may want to so they're not going to completely go away from it but you know i think there there will be some adjustments made nick saban best coach in college history in my opinion for a reason so mm-hmm. but it, it's just is it going to be different like you said it's not Tua. i think we're going to people that are you know ready to insert mac jones is just the next two i think they're i think that's a little disservice to Tua, in my opinion absolutely absolutely you can't you can't replace that and i don't think saban wants to all right so we got jamie newman second that's not a big surprise like i said he was previously number one but here's the big mover up the list this is a guy we both hit on I mean, he was previously 60 to 1. He's now up 16 to 1. Kyle Trask, Florida quarterback. At 16 to 1, I don't really like those odds near as much as I liked him at 60 to 1. I still think that if you're looking at the quarterbacks in the SEC, though, he's probably your best bet because if the Gators reach the college football playoff, they're going to need Kyle Trask to be kind of a Heisman type player. And based on just what we've seen him last year, I think he's got that potential in him. Yeah, I mean, well, it says a lot too that Vegas is still keeping him and Newman high in the in the ranks here, you know. So, I mean, Vegas isn't wrong a lot, and uh, so I, I'm I'm starting to buy in a little bit more to Newman and, and the fact that he's like I said, he's still hovering toward the top of the SEC. Mm-hmm. Now, here's your guy right here on the list. So, Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask, mm-hmm. and Miles Brennan, LSU. Once again. He's going to be the starting quarterback unless he gets beat out. We'll get to Coach O's comments on that in just a minute. But all those three quarterbacks, 16-1, to 1, I don't think you're surprised at all, Miles Brennan, 16-1. But I think 
a lot of people outside of Baton Rouge probably going to be pretty stunned to see who nails Miles Brennan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think he's one of the best ones coming back. And, you know, uh, obviously he was behind the Heisman winner last year. So that's probably why you didn't hear or see much from him. But, you know, I don't know. This this year feels different, you know? I mean, when we had the quarterbacks that we had last year, it just felt like that's what we were going to see was a quarterback winning the Heisman. For some reason, call me nuts, Mike, but I just think that this is the year that the running backs take it back. There's gonna, I, I just have a feeling that one of these guys are just going to pop, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be right, but if there's two guys that it's – you know, an outside position that could get it done. I really like these two, both 25 to one odds, both teammates at LSU, Derek Stingley Jr., Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase obviously scored 20 touchdowns last year. Mm -hmm. Derek Stingley, a lot of people already think he's the best corner in the nation, and he was just a true freshman. And now they're saying he's going to play some receiver next year for LSU. So, Ooh, 25 to 1, Jamar Chase, <laughs> Derek Stingley. Which one of these guys, Shane? And remember, Stingley returns kicks too. So if you yeah. had to bet on one of these, which one are you taking? Probably Stingley. And the reason is, like you said, I've, I've heard rumors too that they're going to try to get him to ball more. He kind of reminds me of that, that, uh, like Champ Bailey role, you mm-hmm. know, just a little bit everything on the field. So, yeah, if I'm leaning more toward – it's not that Chase isn't a phenomenal athlete. I think he will be, and I think he'll continue to roll, and I think he'll be an early first-round pick next year. But, you know, it's really hard to do it at receiver. Well, hell, it's, it's hard to do it at defense, you know, but it has been done before. And, you know, you think of Charles Woodson, even though I, I can't stand 1997, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a sore subject, but the guy got it from defense and returning and, you know, just being a playmaker in general. And that's something that Stingley has the opportunity to continue to do this season. All right, Bo Nix next on the list, Shane, 28-1. to 1. A lot of people, myself included, seeing a big – jump in Bo Nix's game coming in in his sophomore season potential Mm -hmm. value there and Bo Nix 28 to 1 you think that's about right or maybe a little too high what what are your thoughts there um I think it's about right um you know and I think it's more because I'm just I'm listening to you and I'm kind of buying into a little bit I don't want to get the the hot train way out of control going into the season but I don't know I I think there's uh I think there's potential there with Bo Nix what about you yeah, I think uh, at 28 to 1, I actually really like this value because this is similar to what I was talking about. You know, I'm not saying Kyle Trask at 16 to 1 not to bet that, but the value is not quite there anymore. When you look at a guy like Bo Nix, 28 to 1, I think there is value there because, again, not saying Nix is going to get it done, but if you're looking at an SEC team, I know they have a lot of question marks coming into the year, but. They got a new offensive system, kind of taking it back from Gus Malzahn a little bit. There's still plenty of talent around Knicks. If Auburn is that team that makes that big jump, like similar to an LSU, I mean, at this time Mm -hmm. last year, we were high on LSU, but no one was saying, well, hell, they're going to win the Heisman. They're going to win this. They're going to win that. (laughs) Auburn could be that team next year. So at 28 to 1, I think there's good value, and I I think there's a realistic chance that Bo Nix is at least in the running for the Heisman next year. So it, it wasn't that long ago we did the Heisman breakdown. Is it is Mac Jones the biggest 
the biggest one, the biggest mover on the on this list? I think the biggest mover is uh, Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. I think they were sleeping on him. Okay. And then now yeah. they've kind of caught up, and now they're now they're protecting themselves a little bit here. Yeah. No, I do like that. What was his again? Uh, Bo Nix, twenty-eight to one. Ooh, man. So you're talking I mean, a lot of money here. If you don't, you don't even have to put that much <laughs> yeah. down. You know what? I'm telling you, man. You know, put a hundo on there. You're gonna be pretty happy if that goes your way. All right, last last three, Shane. All these guys listed at thirty-three to one. Mm-hmm. Alabama receiver Jalen Waddell. Georgia yeah. running back Zamir White. Zeus. And then, how about this, Shane? This is going to probably surprise a lot of people because, kind of like you were hitting at, Najee Harris, Alabama running back, potentially going to be a a huge year for him coming back for his senior season. He's not on the list, Shane. It's Alabama running back Trey Sanders, the kid that missed last season, five-star recruit, number one running back, Trey Sanders, 33-1 to to win the Heisman. So, I don't know why they would have Trey Sanders and not Najee Harris unless either they messed up or maybe they got some insight yeah. that we don't have that, uh, oh, Alabama's going to let loose Trey Sanders <laughs> on us next year. <laughs> well, I mean, if you pull the last Heisman talk, you know, this is the one I thought would be making the run down there in Alabama. I just, you know, he was going to be a huge part of this offense going into last season. And, I don't think that's changed. You know, he's rehabbed up. He's he's probably going to be in great shape. And he's a dual threat, man. I mean, he's just – he can catch it out of the backfield. He's extremely fast. Uh, I, I, I see him kind of like what we saw with uh, Clydesdale down there in LSU. Just, uh, just you know, just a, all over the football. Wherever, mm-hmm. wherever it's needed, he's going to be there. That's the type of player you're going to get with him. But on this list, man – I kind of like that Waddell too, you know, and the reason is it's similar to uh, Stingley, you know, he's just a, a guy that I think that, that, you know, I, I think Sarkeesian is going to do everything he can to create space for him this season and, and not let, you know, Mac win the games, let, let these guys, these playmakers win the game in, in open space. Mm-hmm. No, I think you make a good point there. All right, Shane. So the last thing I got before we go around the league here, since we last recorded, the SEC announced the television schedule for every spring game. And I don't know what your thoughts on this one, but it's very interesting. You know, typically what they have is, uh, you know, there'll be a game on SEC Network. There'll be, they've been throwing Alabama on like ESPN or Georgia on ESPN. And then they have Mississippi State or Kentucky or something like that. You, where you can watch it mm-hmm. on SEC Network, but you have to get online. You can't just go to the channel. This year, they're changing it up. They've never done this before. They're calling it the whip around. Go on. <laughs> and so, like, for example, Saturday, April 11th, we've got Kentucky, Mississippi State, Auburn, and Missouri. They're all playing within, you know, a two-hour window. They all kick off at the same time. Yeah. So what the whip around is going to do, you tune into SEC Network, you're probably going to catch a handful of plays from Kentucky's game. Then they're going to flip over to Mississippi State. Then they're going to flip over to Missouri. Then they're going to flip over to Auburn or what have you. So it's you're not going to get the full spring game. Now, you can go online. You can watch the entire spring game because, obviously, if you're a diehard Kentucky fan, you're not going to want to be flipping over to Mississippi State. But – I think if you're kind of more of the casual fan, 
I think this could be kind of interesting where maybe they're just going to be showing you the big plays and whatnot, big hits and what have you of all these spring games. So just wanted to get your thoughts. What are your thoughts on SEC Network introducing this whip around coverage for the spring games? I like it. I mean, there's a reason people are listening to this podcast. They want to know what's going on around the league. And I think, you know, maybe you can get, like you said, you, if you're a Kentucky fan or Tennessee fan, you know, you can record or you can get to your orange and white game mm-hmm. per se, but you also can record this other swip around in the background. And then when you're looking for some downtime or maybe, you know, just got nothing else. I mean, we got a long time before football, save that on your uh, DVR box and you could jump on there and watch and see what the other teams are bringing this season. I really didn't like this idea when I first heard it, but the more I came to think about it, you know, even one of these spring games, you're you're dying to watch your team play. I mean, I'd say about a quarter to a half of it's unwatchable. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> at I least know. you might be getting some action somewhere. So, yeah, I get yeah. the point. You're gonna want to watch your spring game in its entirety, which they're gonna they're gonna allow you to do if you just go all. You're gonna have to watch it online and. They'll post those online, I would imagine, at a later date or possibly later in the day. But I think while it's going live, you just never know what's going to be happening. So this could be a little bit of an interesting experiment here by the SEC Network. But at least this way, hopefully all the teams get a little bit of coverage. Because I do, I'm not a big fan when they just, you know, LSU just won the championship. Let's let's do their entire spring game. Or they've, they've been doing Alabama and Georgia here lately, and it's like, well, hell, there's other teams in the league, too. So, you know, right. at least this way, they're all getting a little bit of coverage. Yeah, maybe we should change our name to Whip Around, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad, Just... you ready to whip around the league? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane. So, like I said, we're still early in spring camps. We don't got a ton of teams going. So, uh, let's just start with the team we've already been hitting on. Let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina, where the kind of the biggest thing from the latest week of spring practice, in my opinion, was uh, all this Ryan Halinski talk. And, you know, he's really stepped out. I think he made the biggest kind of bold comment of the week, if you want to make it that, where, you know, he's saying the four-win season, he's never experienced something like that, and he's never going to allow that to happen again. And I thought it was so interesting that I've seen, it's not only South Carolina fans, it's a lot of the SEC fans saying, oh, we heard, we've heard this shit before, you know, like, yeah. well, what's he supposed to say? Or, I'm t- you know, I'm tired of hearing about South Carolina. I want to actually see him do it on the field, but, which I, I understand that particularly coming off a four-win season, you don't want to just be – you can't just be hyped. There's got to be some substance there. 
But at the same time, Shane, who was it last year, you know, in the offseason was talking up all this, you know, the offense is going to be new. We're going to be scoring 50, 60 points a game. And everyone around the SEC said, you know, that's a damn joke. We've heard that before. Do you know who I'm talking about? LSU Tigers. Exactly. So you got to have this level of confidence, in my opinion, to play quarterback in the SEC. And if I'm a South Carolina fan, I mean, I'm just damn glad that Helensky is taking some ownership here and he's he's just fired up about, uh, you know, turning things around in Columbia. Are you playing the clip? Hell yeah, I'll just play it there. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you feel ready to start when you had to start last year? Uh, absolutely. I knew, uh, you know, being the backup, I had to be able to go in and be able to execute, you know, when it was my time to shine. And uh, Coach gave me that opportunity. Um, and, I, you know, I, I love Jake, and I, I can't wait to see what he does at Utah. Um, but, you know, opportunities came, and I came in there, and I had to be able to execute. And But I did feel ready. How'd you, how would you evaluate your 11 starts? Um, I got to play better. Absolutely, yeah. I have to play better. Um, you know, I, I had a couple moments that I felt that were good and a couple opportunities that, you know, I said, hey, I'll go out there and throw some touchdowns. But otherwise than that, um, I got to play better. And that comes down to me, and I, I put that on myself. Was confidence an issue last year, by the end of last year, just because things weren't going the way you wanted? Um, confidence wasn't really an issue. Um, I just got to focus more. I've got to be able to be that practice player 110% every day, you know, be the same guy. Consistency is a lot of stuff that we're talking about here at the facility. Um, I just got to be more consistent in my play um, and just go in day in and day out and being that guy for this team. How has Colin Hill affected you in that regard in terms of being a film studier mm -hmm. and his approach to the game? Yeah, the, the Coach Bobo and uh, Colin Hill have been a great addition to this football football team and uh, facility all around because they're great people on the field, great people in the facility, um, in the film room. You know, they're always just, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? You know, if, hey, I have a question about some type of run play, who we're declaring, stuff like that. Um, Colin's the first guy to step up and be like, hey, I'll help you with that. So um, he's been really helpful in that regard. Yeah, Luke. Uh, Luke's an amazing athlete, amazing competitor, um, and he's a fun guy to be around, which is super cool. And I think this whole quarterback room that we have now, we're all gelling together. Uh, we're all making jokes, cracking left and right. Um, so the composure um, and the confidence in each other um, and being around each other is really, really good. And I think Luke is just adding that another next level of competitiveness between all of us. And that chemistry with Decarion, now that he's a wide receiver, how mm -hmm. have you two hooked up? Yeah, uh, I remember just talking to Decarion about that situation um, and just he's a team player he's always been a team player he's a team guy i love him um and he's just super confident always smiling always uh, always laughing no matter what position he's put in and he just wants to do the best for the team coming off a four win season what kind of message can you give the fans of some hope coming through this spring mm -hmm. and looking in the next season that hey you guys are going to turn it around yeah uh, it won't happen again and I, I i got left with a bad taste in my mouth last season um i've never had a four win season in my career and uh, i just Personally, I will ne never let it happen again, and I can tell you that all of these team players that we have right now, all of the players on our team are confident in our season going forward and confident in our championship offense. Is your mindset that right at this moment that you're the starting quarterback here or that you're in a competition? Yeah, right now we're, we're all competing. We're all competing with each other. We're all trying to make each other better, um, and that's the mindset going into every single day. Every single player is competing with another person, whether it makes them better or whether whatever position that they're in. Um, so we're all just competing right now. Nobody's got a starting spot. Nothing's locked up. Beyond all the intangible stuff, physically, on the field, mechanics, whatever, what, yes, what's the one thing or a couple of things that you have 
pinpointed that you want to improve? Mm -hmm. uh, mobility is a big thing that I've worked on. Um, I know uh, it voices a lot of concerns throughout the community, of course, and through the coaches and talking to Bobo. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, and I've been working in the training room uh, nonstop, you know, just getting my legs stronger. Um, and I, I know that I can run faster now. I, I feel faster during practice. I watch it on film. I might not be as fast when I look at the film, but I feel super fast with that out of the field. But, but I'm moving around a little bit. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident in my up movement in the pocket, escapability, stuff like that. Oh, man, that reminds me, man. I was playing this game one time, and uh, so I made it back in the backfield. And I was like, oh, I have a clear shot of this running back, you know. Uh -huh. But I could see this receiver coming around the backside, and he is so fast, dude. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get this running back before he hands it off. <laughs> I didn't make it, Mike. <laughs> and I took two steps, and next thing you know, he's gone. And I was so embarrassed because when we pulled film Sunday, we're sitting there, and the whole time I knew it was about to come up, man. You talk about slow motion because you felt like you got back there fast, but, man, you didn't, especially when that receiver got that ball. So uh, just a little this little memory lane for Shane there. But, um, I, you know, this whole Helensky thing, I think it's great, absolutely. Uh, young cornerback quarterback taking ownership but you know i mean you're right we have heard this before you know we just suffered three years of bentley telling us the same damn thing every offseason that you know the offense is going to look better and i'm getting better blah 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 it's just you know there's a little bit of hype coming in from south carolina and it's not just him it's it's a lot of it's lloyd down there but I'm, I worry, especially about Muschamp, man, going into this season with the hype train picking up because if they do not perform, man, that place is going to get rocked about midseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, the, the one that's going to catch all the hell is Will Muschamp, and he was hyping it up. Uh, I thought th these were some good comments, so let's kick it over to Will Musk. What are your impressions of your quarterbacks so far? Uh, I think Ryan was player of the day the first day. He's been, you know, Mike's been very pleased with Ryan and Luke and, and what they've done. Jay Yurk's done some nice things, but uh, Ryan's done a, a really nice job offensively with the things we're doing and some uh, <clears throat> different things that we're trying to, you know, more than anything, we're we're evaluating right now what what can we do, you know, and that's kind of the that's kind of where we are at this point. But uh, we've been very pleased. His, his uh, you know, grasp of the new playbook. Or, or really good. Mike. Those guys have worked extremely hard. Mike's been really impressed with them as far as the meeting room is concerned. The amount of time they're spending over here, they're, they're understanding that takes a lot of time, especially when you're, you're going with some new things, some new terminology, and you've got to be able to, to, to you know, master those things. And they, those guys have worked extremely hard. We've been really pleased with that. Luke's first day in pads, how do you think he's, he did? I think, you know, Luke's done some nice things. You know, he's obviously he reacts well. Uh, the moment's not been too big in the first three days uh, you know Mike coach Bobo and I laughed about his first day of practice at Georgia I think he fumbled six snaps uh, you know and, and Luke didn't fumble any so I mean at the end of the day you know there, there's a lot of positives to build on he's very intelligent he reacts well in the pocket uh, obviously he's got the right kind of athleticism we're looking for and he's been effective throwing the ball so we've we got to continue to improve and get better he's got he's a he's a one cut runner he gets the ball north and south he's got a low center of, of, of or his running ability is concerned. There's not a lot of soft spots to hit. Uh, he's a very intelligent guy that works extremely hard. Been very pleased. All right, Shane. So old <laughs> Bobo don't know how to hold on to the ball, but Doty does. So there you go. There's there's something to build upon there. Absolutely, man. Can't have turnovers, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if they do, Will Muschamp's going to be turning over his job. You know what?
Oh my gosh. Pun intended. Lock <laughs> it, Mike. You're on your game. I like it. <laughs> Last little bit of hype we got here for South Carolina before we move on. Corner J.C. Horn talking about freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd compared the freshman Shane to one of the best running backs in recent SEC history. I just thought Gamecock fans would appreciate this one. Marshawn, yeah. he's fast. He's fast. Forgot about him. What, what have you seen from Marshawn? Has he made any crazy moves? Somebody said something about him making a spin move yesterday. I don't know if you got to see that. but he's Yeah, that was uh, he made a spin move, and he almost got to the edge. I was the edge of the defense. He almost got to the edge, but I was picking at him a little bit. But it's every day you see crazy moves from him. And I tell him, like, going back when we played Georgia this year, the way Swift moved and how fast he get up on you, I told Marshawn, he remind me a lot of that. Uh, he just super fast the ball. He hit the whole full speed. And I think he's going to have, you know, an easy adjustment plan in the SEC. I really think he's going to be a good bat. All right, Shane, so how about that? And for anyone that's missed it, I've tweeted it out here on my uh, SEC Mike Twitter, but uh, let's give this guy some credit. Chris Clark of uh, Gamecock Central. He's tweeted out a little video of Marshawn Lloyd. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Shane, of his footwork and practice, but my God, when you hear something like this and you're saying, DeAndre Swift, come on, give me a break. But, you know, in this video, you can kind of see what they're saying. I mean, he has got some footwork that, I don't know, we've seen something like this here recently in the SEC. I'm telling you, man, I, 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 I'm trying to uh, keep expectations in check, but this kid is unreal, especially waist down. He makes people miss. He's going to make so many people miss in the SEC, you know, and I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that South Carolina goes a little bit more that route with the Russian because they have got some absolute weapons back there, you know, and, and if they can cut Lloyd loose, I, I think, you know, South Carolina could win a lot of games just on his legs. That's how talented this kid is. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just ready to see it. So uh, hopefully he hopefully gets to showcase it there in the spring game. You know what? If NCAA came out with their game, the kid should be 99 agility, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's just that fast. He's not a big guy, but he's just, I don't know. I'd like to see how he does in the passing game, you know? I think that's going to be the big one. If he's able to do make some sort of impact there mm-hmm. and, and be a safety valve for Helensky or whoever's back there at quarterback, I think that's important because you saw – and I hate to keep going back to LSU, but damn, they the most dominant team, and they opened up a lot of eyes around the country. And what you had was, you know, Clydesdale as a safety valve for Joe. And there was a lot of times that Joe didn't have anything, was able to check it down and him do something with his legs. So I'm surprised we don't see more of that in the SEC. And I think after we saw the script that LSU put together, I think you're going to see more of that going into this season. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Lexington, where Kentucky has opened spring practice. And, of course, that started with uh, Mark Stoops and his first presser of the spring. And, uh, you know, a lot learned here. I mean, he's very, very open with a lot of his comments, particularly it sounds like Terry Wilson is going to be out for the spring. So I think we're going to really see Joey Gatewood I know he's probably got a long way to go in terms of learning their playbook to the level that Terry Wilson has got it down, but I think this is going to be the time where, you know, it's not going to be the job won or lost. I think they still want Terry Wilson to to likely win the job, but if Joey Gatewood is able to show off, you know, why he was an Under Armour All-American, 
why he nearly won the job at Auburn this past year, and now why he's chosen to come to Kentucky, even though they've got an established guy. I know a lot of Kentucky fans get mad at me for even suggesting he's going to be the starter. I know he's got to sit out, but he's applying for the waiver. We got the NCAA you know, potentially changing the transfer rules. I have a really good feeling that Joey Gatewood is going to be eligible. So if he has a really strong spring, Shane, I think he puts himself maybe not out in front of Terry Wilson, but potentially, yeah. potentially because Terry Wilson's coming off a significant injury. But I guess my, my whole point is I think this is an opportunity for Gatewood to be neck and neck with Terry Wilson going into the fall. What are your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that this is – a quarterback controversy. I really didn't. I, I want to say that because I thought Terry would play this spring. Like you said, I think Joey has a lot to prove this 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 year. And if he comes out, man, balling, I tell you what, it, it would not surprise me if Joey does pass Terry, especially if he comes out playing lights out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he gets cleared. Obviously, there's a lot of hurdles that he's got to go through, but – you know, I'm a firm believer that Terry's the guy. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that 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 hate that hot take, but I, I just think that with what Kentucky was able to do with a mobile quarterback last year, and I, I, I don't want to compare him and Lynn, but Terry has that capability of, you know, being a game changer with his legs. Now, he, he, he's prone to get hurt, but he also has the ability to throw. And I think that's important for Kentucky, especially with – like I said, what they did last season and the linemen coming back and the weapons they have, I just think it's a great fit for Terry. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Joey comes out and, and if he balls, man, it, he could easily win this job. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay. Well, let's kick it over to Mark Stoops because he had you know quite a bit of interesting things to say, uh, including you know he really talked about uh, this was really really interesting. His brother Mike. Tried to get him on staff here at Kentucky, but Mike's going to stay at Alabama. He kind of gets into that. Here's a name SEC fans may have forgotten, but Kelvin Joseph, former high school All-American, former LSU Tiger. Now mm-hmm. he's, at, he's at Kentucky, and Mark Stoops, hell, before his first camp, said, this kid's our starter at corner. I mean, that that tells you all you need to know about Joseph. Uh, then he also, <laughs> I thought this was great, how – how does the offense look? Does are they going to stay with that wildcat package? They had so much success with Lynn Bowden right. in that system. Are they going to try to keep that a little bit? Mark Stoops kind of shed some light on that, and then finally on keeping uh, Vince Morrow. I thought these were some outstanding comments as well. Uh, Terry Wilson uh, limited. He he won't go through spring. He's doing some throwing and and doing, um, you know, his, getting his legs stronger and, and the rehab and all those things. Uh, Nick Scalzo, uh, he'll be out. Uh, Devontae will be limited. Uh, Abule will be out. Isaiah Epps will be out. Nasir will be out. Tosh Dotson will be out. Uh, Derek Jackson will be out. How are you approaching that open staff position during the spring? Just in terms of- <clears throat> I am. I've been working through that position. Uh, as you know, it's taken some time, but uh, I've taken my time with it, to be honest with you. I've tried to, I tried to hire my brother Mike um, and uh, get him on staff, and uh, that's not going to work out. Um, 
by his choice. Uh, Mike chose to to stay. He likes what he's doing. He likes uh, the learning he, he's uh, doing and the work he's doing there with Nick at uh, Alabama. And Mike's a big pitcher guy, so the timing of this position uh, and the capacity that, that it is, uh, he decided to stay there and continue to uh, kind of recalibrate himself and ready to come back as a, as a coordinator. So he decided to stay. So, um, you know, so I'm, I'm working through that. Shouldn't be long. Are you still anticipating Terry will be ready by the default? Yeah, definitely. Do you know we haven't seen at all is Kelvin Joseph. You got to watch him mm-hmm. What, what does he add to practice? Yeah, he's a um, he, he's a difference maker. He's uh, you know he's physical. First thing that pops out to you, he's a, he's a big kid. Like he, he's a he's uh, you know like some of the corners we've been used to having, and you know he's got good size, and um, you know he's instinctual. Um, so um, you know he was he was on scout team. It's a lot easier to show flashes out there. You know when there's um, very little risk you know, involved in giving up a big play. But, but no, you could see his athletic ability. I mean, you saw it on tape when he was coming from LSU and the amount of plays he plays it, it played as a true freshman. So um, we're excited. Did you start him at corner? Yeah. I'm going to start him at corner. Mm-hmm. With all the success you all had last year with Ben, you come into this year wanting to maintain some of the, an expanded Wildcat package like you had last year? Is there somebody you have in mind who can do some of those things? Well, you never know. I mean, you never know. I mean, a year ago, people were ready to put a bullet in me for the Wildcat. You know what I mean? So, I mean, so uh, you never know. You adapt and overcome, you know? That's that's what we constantly do, adapt and overcome. And, and we, we had to adapt to that situation, and we were ever able to overcome it to some extent. And uh, we'll continue to do that. And I mean that seriously. You know, just do the best you can. Um, we always have wrinkles, and uh, we have some guys that are dual threat. So there's always some good things you could carry. We haven't talked to you since uh, Vince, that whole saga unfolded. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind throughout that process, and how did you all ultimately make yeah. the yeah. decision? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, it's played out too much in the media that I'd like to see. You know what I mean? So uh, those are things that we need to handle. Um, I have so much appreciation and gratitude to our administration, first and foremost, of uh, giving me the ability. I've said that all along, you know, that, um, you know, it takes great resources when you have good things in place, you know, whether it's from facilities and the investment that we've made there, whether it's in people, um, in in retaining people. Um, so I got to start with, you know, just thanking our president and, and Mitch. Um, Mark Hill has done a, a, a great amount of work behind the scenes. That's my liaison to the administration, and uh, they do a lot of work behind the scenes. So uh, they made a lot of things happen, and, and were very helpful. I think um, you know Vince, his attachment to this to this place, to our fan base, to uh, to our community, uh, played a lot into it. I think our relationship had a lot to do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, again, but it, you know, it starts with our administration stepping up and helping because, uh, you know, that was very real and those things are going to happen when you have good people. I'll say this, um, there was probably 
five or six other guys on our staff that I went through the same thing with, you know, that uh, that that are getting pulled. And uh, uh, I I appreciate uh, the continuity that we have right now. And you know, we have some some guys, some new guys. And I want to talk about Anwar. You know, bringing Anwar back, uh, another Wildcat. I, I know Anwar. I had an opportunity to work with him as a student assistant. He had great experience through the CFL, but I loved his passion and his energy. And, um, you know, so when we had that position come open, um, you know, that didn't, didn't take me long, um, you know, because I had, you know, really high, um, you know, feelings for Anwar and the ability that he can, you know, the job that he can do. So it was good to bring him back. So, um, Anyway, we have good continuity, uh, great support from our administration. I feel really good about our staff. Um, but, yeah, me and the big dog, ultimately, it came down over a drink and I had to break his arm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a deal, and then he changed the deal on me the next day. All right, Shane, so a lot to unpack there from Mark Stoops. But, I mean, talking about his brother, Kelvin Joseph, Vince Morrow, <laughs> I mean, we got quite a bit here from day one here from Coach Stoops. But, uh you know, I think the most interesting thing, probably Kelvin Joseph. I mean, this kid must be a stud if, you know, day one of spring, they're naming him a starter for the fall. And, uh, you know, once again, there's obviously people that listen to this podcast for a long time know that uh, we got a ton of respect for Kentucky. They don't always get it around the SEC. But, you know, I think it says a lot of this program where they continue to trend up. Mm-hmm. According to Coach Stoops, you know, everybody's trying to hire his entire damn staff. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the programs, and it's not just one year. It's It's been this way year after year after year. I mean, they bring back consistently eight or nine assistants every year. They they typically only lose one guy, and it's the one guy they lost this year. They lost him to a head coaching position. So, I don't know. I, th- I think that says a lot about uh, not only what Kentucky has become, but where it's going in the future. The, the coaches aren't jumping ship. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and I think it has one of the most underrated offensive coordinators in the country. I mean, what they've been able to do last year, and that's what, you know, when you're looking at this quarterback thing, you, you, part of me, like I said, I, I see Terry fitting this wildcat style perfect, you know. Uh, Joey, not so much, but I think if he's the guy, I think Eddie comes up with something to, you know, cater toward his assets. And, uh, you know, I think whatever they have, they're going to take their their best weapons and they're going to create an offense around it. That's something that they've always been able to do and they've been productive with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see what this uh, spring game looks like. I want to see what this, this offense is going to look like because I think it will be a little bit different than last year, uh, especially with uh, if Joey's at the helm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be the biggest thing that I'm looking for in the spring game is just how much this offense change without Lynn Bowden. Is it going to be radical? I don't know, but uh, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things I'm looking for this spring. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to, I mean, I, I, I doubt they're going to be too wildcat in the spring. You know, I think they're going to hold that back if that's what they plan on doing. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't know. I think we get a little bit more balance this year, especially if Joey's the guy. Uh, if Terry, like I said, I don't know. I that one's that one's kind of baffling me. Uh, why is, did they say why Terry's sitting? Or is it just just safety precaution? I mean, is he? I thought he was further along in his rehab. Well, yeah, I think he's just to the point where, you know, he's just not a hundred percent, and they're just 
not going to risk it whatsoever. Now, Stoops did note that, uh, you know, fully anticipate him being 100% for the fall. And I think I think at this point with the knee issue, you're starting quarterback potentially, there's just no need to risk any type of further injury. You know what I mean? Or setback. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right, Chase, so let's uh, kick it on down to Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. With the Tigers, they're probably still drinking down there, and I don't, I don't blame them, you know, coming <laughs> off that national championship. But there is a new season ahead. That's something Coach O is about to talk about here in just a second. But uh, right before we hopped on here, Jamar Chase been named the new number seven for the 2020 season. That's pretty uh, – Interesting, considering he just got 20 touchdowns, and now he's number seven for uh, the 2020 season. But I think uh, that's, you know, a lot of people thought it would be either him or Derek Stingley, but I got no problem with them basically, you know, Stingley's probably going to wear that in 2021. So it's just, yeah. just putting it off for a year, you know what I mean? So I think you do, I think it's a right move to kind of honor the guy that's been there a little bit longer, is just coming off an All-American season and, Next in a, a long line of elite players to wear that number seven for LSU. Yeah, I think this is a no-brainer. <laughs> That's it, man. I mean, no I'm, not Stingley, no, I'm not saying Stingley had a bad year or anything, but damn, what Chase did last season was was extremely impressive. And, you know, like you said, you give it to Stingley, he has to wear it for two years. That's no fun. Right. You know, you want to get more people on involved. So I think Chase – and I'm not saying Stingley's going to get it. I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Stingley's impressive. But there may be somebody on that team that pops this season. And, you know, they're the ones that are in the running. So mm-hmm. I, I think you give it to your best athlete. And I think Chase is that dude right now. Yeah, and I know we don't talk – hardly at all NFL combine on here, but the, one of the biggest things I thought from the combine this year, you know, they asked, they always ask the same damn questions to all the players, but all the defensive backs, they asked, who's the toughest receiver you faced? And everyone that played LSU said, Jamar Chase. That was the easy answer. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea. And hell, he's still in college. So that gives you an That's idea right. of what the defenses think of him. For sure. All right. So let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane because – Obviously, this was the big question. Where does LSU go from here? I really liked Coach O's response, challenging himself to be better because, you know, it's there's only one Nick Saban. You know, there's only one guy that, for whatever reason, can reset the button, get his players and his coaches refocused. Now, that's the daunting challenge in front of Coach O. That's a challenge we'd all want, though. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying we should feel bad for LSU. They just ripped through college football here. But I really like what Coach O had to say here. And then on his hire of Scott Linehan, you know, that was kind of out of left field, I think, for both of us. Not, you know, Bo Pelini, we know a little bit about him based on his time mm-hmm. in Nebraska and LSU and all this. But Scott Linehan, don't really know much about this guy outside of, you know, long track record in the NFL. So Coach O gets into why he was the right hire. I thought he had some interesting insight here. And then in your boy, Shane, Miles Brennan, his time to lead. Coach O talks about that as well. And uh, obviously the, the human nature is to kind of you know, take, take a breath or want to, you know, once you've accomplished something huge like you guys did, how do you, how do you uh, 
you maintain the kind of mindset you want to have yeah. in the program? And does it change yeah. compared to what it was before? You know, I, I do believe this. It starts with me. Uh, I made a, a vow to myself that I'm going to work harder this year, uh, more attention to the detail, and people need to see that from the leader. And I think the culture that we built is fantastic, but we need to keep that standard up. And I do believe that it, it would be a fault to keep on talking about last year. Uh, we got to turn the page. Uh, this is a new team, but we do we do have a lot of good things that we can fall back on last year. As far as I, I give you an example, uh, last year in the spring, uh, the whole team of Saturday morning at nine o'clock had a volunteer practice. The coaches wasn't there, and that was led by Joe Burrow, leadership and want to. So we can fall back on some of those things, but I, you know, I can't expect this team to be last year's team. It's a new team, but we still have high, high expectations. Uh, Coach, last time we talked to you, you talked about the offensive uh, position that was open. You said you wanted somebody that either knew your stuff so well or could teach you something new. What was yeah. it about Scott that uh, kind of ultimately yeah. went in that direction? I really liked, I really liked his approach in the interview. Uh, I really liked his demeanor. I really liked that when he got up on the board, I could see him coaching our receivers. I think that's really important. I think that. Um, you can tell the type of coach when he gets up on the board and you ask him questions and it's not a planned deal. I thought he was very detailed, brought a lot of knowledge. Uh, I felt comfortable with him. Uh, there are some guys on our staff that have worked with him before and said he was an excellent team guy. I thought those qualities were very, very important to work with Steve and to keep the, the cohesiveness in, in, in the office. So I think those are the reasons why. And, and you know, his knowledge. He's going to help me with game management. Uh, his knowledge is not an offense that he doesn't know. And he was really, you know, he was really uh, impressed by what we were doing on offense, too. So I think he brings a lot of uh, information to us uh, and also fits in well with the staff. And um, you, you had mentioned, you know, about Linehan whenever he came in. Uh, you, know, you wanted somebody who either knew your system really well or brought something new. Right. You know, Joe Brady had the right. Saints and the RPO. Right. Right. What did Linehan kind of bring specifically? I do to believe that the, the, the knowledge that he had in the passing game in the red zone and the empty package, how he related to it, and the things that he did, especially when he was a head coach and stuff that he ran, the stuff that he ran in Detroit. You know, there, there's an old saying, if, it, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Okay. So there, no, we don't need a whole lot of new stuff uh, in our offense. I think it was more or less his knowledge, more or less his coaching ability, and more or less his fit with the staff is the reason we hired him. I hate to keep hammering home the coaching hires, but um, was it a conscious decision to go after some veteran coaches knowing that you guys, you know, like kind of Scott said, there'd be that lull of being a champion and maybe having some guys around that, you know, could. You know, uh, you know, obviously the Joe Brady model was fantastic. I mean, you know, how can you go wrong? You know, but I don't know how many Joe Bradys are out there. And I went after some guys, and I just didn't see it. I just didn't see the fit for us. And I wanted to bring them with best fellow shoes, not just, uh, you know, someday, sometimes uh, you try to win the hire through the press and everything looks good. I thought that I made a good decision in bringing in Scott Linehan, uh, the guys that were out there. I loved his experience. And... Uh, you know, if there was a no, another Joe Brady out there, I may have missed him, but I looked for him. In, in past interviews, talking about Miles Brandon, you said it's now his time. He's mm -hmm. our guy. 
Has there been a moment or in the past uh, last fall, maybe in this uh, early spring, that you've seen something in Miles that gives you the confidence that, that he can be obviously his own guy, but he can lead this team in the right direction to, to, to yeah. go for some big-time uh, goals? Very good question. Uh, you know, when you, when you back up to the Heisman winner, you got to keep your mouth shut. That's what you do. Uh, he's led this team in a four-quarter program. Uh, he's competed at every rep, just like Joe did, to win every rep. I'm not going to say he won every rep, but I'm th- I watch him compete to win every rep. I see him be m- more vocal at the end, like we go eight stations on the eight station. You know, we put up the pause. He's the one doing it. Um, I've heard him talk to guys that when we had to go back, come on, man, get this done. So he's been more of a vocal leader. I've seen him in the office watching more film than he ever has. Um I know this. I know the Brennan family very well. Uh, they've been very patient, and uh, they've been waiting for this time. I expect Miles to explode, and I expect him to do all the things that he needs to do to be a great quarterback. And whatever deficiencies he has, like we all have, I know that he and his family are going to work on. And uh, what I mean by that is more experience, uh, working on his throwing motion, uh, going to quarterback gurus, camps, or whatever it may be. I know that this guy's dedicated to do that. I think we're going to have us one heck of a player. I've always believed in Miles. I believe he's a championship quarterback, and I believe he's going to be great for us. I think my favorite thing from all that right there, Shade, with Coach O, you know, he's been talking up Miles Brennan for seems like yeah. two years, and then at the tail end he's like, well, unless someone beats him out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? what you that? can't say that. <laughs> what did he say? Like, Miles, like, Miles Brennan did good last year by keeping his mouth shut. You know, <laughs> I was like, did I did I misread that or mislisten to that? I, I thought I I rewound that a few times, and it sounds like he's talking about Brennan keeping his mouth shut. And I'm like, what the hell was going on in that locker room? You know? <laughs> he knows what's best. <laughs> so, I think uh, I I think this is our dude, man. But. You know, you it's spring. You don't want to. You know, you got you got some talent back there in that room, and you know, and, and coach isn't going to just hand over the keys to the national championship. You know what I'm saying? He's right. got to be real careful how this team moves forward, and and it starts now, man. It's it's time to stop celebrating. You know, Saban Saban didn't take but a couple of days when he wins them. You know what I'm saying? He's back to work, and I don't even think he appreciates it that night. You know, to be honest with you, he just does it because he has to. But that's that's the mentality you have to have if you want to create a dynasty down there. You you there's no days off, man. I mean, yeah, you celebrated, you had a good time, but it's time to get back to work. And and I'm curious because last year in the spring game, you know, it seemed like that LSU offense was already humming, mm-hmm. you know. Does it take a step back? Are we going to watch it this spring and see slug sluggish players? You know, uh, I hope we don't. I hope that thing just stays. Like I said, keep the foot down. You know. Yeah, and I think though the one thing that we've not really hit on, it, you know, we try not to overlook it, but it's just a matter of fact in football. I think the offensive line it's so easy to overlook just because. You know, they're kind of the no-name crew, and there's, they just don't put up stats or anything. But, you know, the th- the engine was obviously Joe Burrow in that passing game and, you know, the heart, I guess you could say, Clyde Edwards or Lairs or the glue, what have you, whatever lame terminology you want to use. But 
the biggest question mark for that offense was that offensive line, how they'd hold up. And now that's got to be totally reworked this year. So I think I think Miles Brennan is going to be fine, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. They got plenty of they got plenty of talent at running back. They're low. They've still got plenty of weapons at receiver, but so it's going to come down to that offensive line. So, I mean, that's going to be something that's nearly impossible to gauge in the spring. But that's this is when those that unit has got to come together. They've got to find their five. They've got to develop that chemistry because, you know, there's going to be a ton of people writing LSU off in terms of repeating as SEC champions, repeating as national champions. But like I said earlier in the pod, hell, no one was picking them to do it last year. So, you know, that that goes to show what that's worth. But if LSU is going to do any repeating next year, I think it's a lot of it's going to have to be with that offensive line. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. You know, I like the hogs and I, (laughs) I like what you did with Clydesdale. Um, so, that joke so far, so old. You said it so long ago, but I was thinking about it. You said Clydesdale was the glue. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, well played, Mike. You really are in your game, even though Pete is going to shut us down. But All right, Shane, let's uh, hop on down to Oxford. Where we got uh, some good news here for the Rebel Shane because the ticket sales are come flying in. And this is what happens, Shane, when the fans get on the lane train. (laughs) You got those figures for us, Shane? Yes, sir. This uh, this was released earlier. Of course, I follow Lane Kiffin. There's few coaches, man. I got notifications on, <laughs> and Lane is one of those guys. This thing pops up and it says, "Let's fucking go," and I'm like, "What is going on here?" And he's talking about the Ole Miss uh, releasing its latest season ticket numbers. Now, this came from this tweet came from Brad Logan, C O T E. He says uh, season ticket sales are up 15,145, and that is a 78% increase from year to date. So Lane Kiffin effect is obvious is what he said, and I think so, man. Yeah, that's basically the whole – I mean, obviously the overall reason to hire Lane Kiffin is because he got a strong track record of recruiting and winning football, but the immediate reason behind doing that, probably the reason Matt Luke is gone – is just there was just no momentum there, you know. No buzz, and man. This is hell. Remember, they were damn drunk at the damn kickoff introduction. At, it was like ten or eleven in the morning. Yeah, and that's probably when all these tickets were sold, Shane. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's what you want to see because it's you know whether Ole Miss is your team or not. I just hate. I don't know about you, but I hate turning on these games and there's no damn fans in the stands. It's like. You know, yeah. and I've seen that place rocking, and that's the point. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't ever want to see. And you know, let's put it in this perspective, Shane. If you're, if you're a ten, you're a Tennessee guy, you're a Tennessee fan, but you need, for whatever reason, you need Auburn to, you know, drop a game they're not expecting, or, or, or something like that. You don't want to just have them penciled in Ole Miss as like an easy W. You know what I mean? Like, right. you want all these games to be competitive. You want you know, some entertaining games. You want these fans to, to come to this, you know, have a reason to come to the stadium, have a good time. Yeah. And we've seen it in Oxford. We've seen it uh, in Starkville. But, you know, those programs needed to be rejuvenated, and they've done that with these hires. We're starting to see it in yep. ticket sales. Obviously, it's got to 
produce. You know, same thing we were saying with South Carolina. We need to see it on the field to get fully excited. But I think this is a hell of a start and just another reason why this has proven to be, uh, you know, we questioned the firing of Matt Luke when it happened. We got to be honest about that. But Mm -hmm. we didn't know Lane Kiffin. They had him in his back pocket. And that that proved to be an ace in the hole. Absolutely. I mean, the fans are already obviously buying in. And that's what you want to see. Uh, you know, here it is, March, and we got ticket sales up 78%. So I love it, man. And like you said, that's what makes some of these games so great, you know, when there is a big upset. So if Ole Miss does beat a team like LSU or a team like Alabama and that place is sold out and they're jumping down the field, tearing down. I mean, you can't do that if, you're st- if your stadium's at – you know, a third of its, its you know what I'm saying? Right, Security's right. going to be all over it. So <laughs> I, I just think, you know, like they're going to catch the two guys jumping on the field and they're screwed, you know? So I, I love this. I, I love, I, I love the fan interaction. I'm seeing it online. I'm seeing it with Mississippi state. I'm seeing it with Arkansas, uh, hell, even Missouri. I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of it. You know, these, these guys are really excited about their new coach and the new directions and stuff. And, and uh, I'm here to speak. I'm soaking it all up, man. I'm telling you, if you if you got notifications on your Twitter, you put it on Lane, you put it on the Pirate, uh, you know those guys. Those, they're they're two different things. Don't get me wrong. Lane's putting like, you know, like spiritual stuff, and he's getting right with the with the Lord. You know, like the Green Mile. You know, that's what I think. <laughs> Walking the mile, walking the green mile, and then you got, and then you got the the pirate over at three o'clock in the morning, just putting out some just atom bombs, you know, <laughs> just like what are you doing, man? So uh, they're great follows, man. You got to check them out. Well, before we move on from Ole Miss, Shane, my guy John Rice Plumley, we had to, this is a couple days old, but this was too good not to share for anyone that missed it. Morgan Freeman, yes, the actor Morgan Freeman. <laughs> was down there in Oxford. John Rice Plumley got to meet him, and uh, here's his response to meeting that great actor. I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw this picture of yourself, Lane Kiffin, and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Just give us some insight to that conversation. Oh, it was pretty cool. You know, those are two uh, pretty well-known guys, I would say. And so just to be able to, to shake their hands is, is uh Morgan Freeman, first time meeting him, of course, Coach Kiffin, I've, I've met him a couple of times and uh, had some interaction with him. And so, but both of those guys were really, really cool to, to, to get to talk to at the same time. You know, Morgan Freeman made a joke. He said, uh, I thought the quarterback would be taller. And I was just like, oh, man, coming from a <laughs> coming from a voice like that, it's just like, wow, it just makes you feel smaller. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how good is that, Shade? I love it. Andy Dufresne was one. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine meeting the golden voice and he tells you, God, I thought you'd be taller, you know? He probably said, I thought you'd be fatter, you know? <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. I, I didn't realize how, how big of a fan he is. He's really has been popping up a lot more lately. So I think he's buying into a little bit of Ole Miss buzz, too. He's probably one of them season ticket holders, Shane. Oh, yeah. He's, he's good, man. I like Morgan Freeman. All right, Shane. Last stop on our tour here let's jump on down to tuscaloosa roll tide where alabama has officially replaced scott cochran shane they've hired indiana strength coach david baloo and hell they've also added another guy here shane dr matt rea and he is uh so this their tag team in this one shane they got a weightlifting guy they got a director 
of performance science. I don't even know what in the hell I'm saying here, but that's literally his title here, director of performance science. So they're bringing in, not only are they bringing in the weight chain, they're bringing in the fucking math to do it. So mm. I don't know. That's how good Scott Cochran is. I guess you need two guys to replace him, but the, you know, the main reason, obviously we don't know much about these guys. Uh, so we're not going to break it down a ton, but this guy from Indiana, David Ballou, the new strength coach, He'd been there for three years, Shane. The, mm-hmm. the rest of his time was in high school. Now, he was at that IMG Academy in Florida. For those that don't know, that's, you know, one of the, probably the number one, it's not te- yeah. not technically a high school, but it's like an all-star high school. So, you know, this guy's got some credentials here, but it it was odd to me that they're hiring a guy with only a couple of years of Division One experience. But that brings me to my bigger point here, Shane. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Paul Feinbaum made some waves on Monday because he basically said, you know, he was talking about the Alabama defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. Yeah. He said, this is the worst damn coordinator that Saban has ever kept for longer than two years. And he he couldn't just say worst coordinator because he, you know, they hired Tosh Lapoy, the guy that replaced Pruitt, and he was gone in one year. Yeah, And that just really got me thinking. I wanted to just kind of throw this your way. Has Saban, you know, lost a step when it comes to making these, you know, hires? Because obviously you got Kirby Smart, followed him up with Jeremy Pruitt, you know, two of the best defensive minds. But since that time, I mean, you got Tosh Lapoy lasted a year. You got this Pete Golden people want to run him out the damn building. And now Sarkeesian, I mean, there's people saying he didn't do that great a job. I, th- I think he did a good job, but he nearly lost him. You know, was that part of his pitch to keep him? It was like, my God, I don't know who I'm going to hire to replace you. I mean, <laughs> he was already on staff previously. I mean, I don't know. But just, I guess, Feinbaum saying that kind of made me think. And now we're hiring this guy with three years experience here. I don't know. Wow. Maybe Am I reaching here, Shane, or, or I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> You know me, Mike. I'm always ready to get Saban to retire, and this is just <laughs> fueling my fire. And I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I think the coaching carousel got exposed when they, you know, when they got beat by Clemson. Yeah. You know, there was no halftime. Adju- I mean, it was just a horrible coaching experience. And it wasn't that it was a bad team. I just think they had young, ex- inexperienced coordinators that just weren't ready for that type of – I mean, the, they weren't ready for the challenge. And so he goes out and gets some older cats, you know, and I think that's what he's trying to do. But, you know, it's like it's like the gigs up, you know, like Saban had a formula. Maybe he had a hell of a sales pitch for these uh, assistant coaches and stuff. And he still does, I think. I mean, you see people like, even though I hate him, Butch Jones and Strong down there, you know, it's just he has an act in attracting big name coaching staff. Uh, but it's different, man. You know, it feels like he has loosened the grip up a little bit. And I think the, the strength and conditioning is, is, is prime example. Who the hell is this guy? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't like he just made Indiana a freaking powerhouse up there. You know, they weren't turning, they're not going to be turning a lot of people loose in the combine this year. Mm -mm. So, or the, the draft. So I just, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think, 
course, you say that, dude, they go undefeated. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and then Sarkeesian is is getting the next Ohio State job or something. <laughs> you know, you just you you never can count him out. But it does like it is point. I, I feel like it's pointing down. You know, mm-hmm. I'm curious about this uh, this lab tech guy. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> running his stem cell research down there. Cloning Julio Jones, you know, like where did this guy come from? So, I don't know. Maybe you go to Mad Science and just, you know, if you can't, you can't get coaches, you just create monsters down there. Well, I mean, it just seems to me that, uh, you know, obviously Alabama's been so successful that they have been losing coaches for years. Yeah. And it, I just, I'm starting to wonder whether he still got it to where he can. Now, maybe he's just made a couple bad hires, but. I don't know. It just they just seem to be stacking up here, and while they've been immune to it, you know they're still they're still at the top of the polls, but they they just keep falling short. I just don't know how many more runs they got in them, in particular if he keeps making the the wrong hires. Yeah, and, and you know I wonder because. You know, this don't act like the last few years is the only time he's made bad hires down there in Alabama. He's made a lot along the way, but he's got he's weeded them out. Yeah. You know, he's convinced uh, coaches like Kirby and Pruitt to stick around longer than they probably should have. You know, and he's not able to do that now. He's, he's it's like, you know, if these guys are on this one to two year plan, and if it doesn't work, we'll bring in another name or we'll give you a job somewhere else. So it's just. I don't know. It's almost like a, uh, of course, it's kind of like that at all universities, but th- it's more like a, uh, yeah, like a JUCO coaching staff. You know, it's just these guys aren't here forever. They're coming in for a couple years to rehab their name or something, and then <laughs> they're back on to the next bigger, better thing. And and I don't know. Is it getting harder for Saban, you know, to give the sales pitch that I'm going to be around forever, you know? Mm-hmm. he. I mean, this time last year he was dealing with some health issues, so – I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I'm obviously uh, a little more optimistic on Saban retiring than most. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, like I said, at the end of the season, we're looking back and saying, you know, Saban had this figured out all along, you know. One final thing here on Alabama, Shay, we don't want to be completely downers on the Crimson Tide here. Uh, Terrell Lewis at the NFL Combine asked an interesting question. Who is the best player you ever played with, not face, but played with, you know, think about all the good players at Alabama in recent years. Terrell Lewis gave his answer here, and I thought this was pretty interesting. You you mentioned earlier when I asked you who's the best opponent you've seen, you said other than Alabama, which made me think the best players you've seen are on Alabama. Who's the best teammate that you've seen at Alabama? <laughs> Give me the best one. Number one, the guy that stands out. This is the guy. Out of my whole career? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I'll say, because there's so many to choose from, but right now, the person that always has an impression on me is probably the uh, young cat, Jalen Waddle. Really? Yeah, he's a dog. Yeah. What what makes his game so good? He's just a, he got that dog mentality as a receiver, and you know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys where if I get the ball, you never know what may happen. I'm a, I might score. And then he just he, he a game changer. All right, Shane. So how, there you go, Jalen Waddell, who we mentioned at the top of the show, thirty-three to one odds to win the Heisman Trophy next season, and he is, you know, the, that receiver type where he's going to return kicks, he's going to be making spectacular plays, he's going to be playing special teams. So it's not completely 
out of the realm of possibility that he's winning it. But I just thought it was interesting. Terrell Lewis, of all the guys he had to pick, best player he's ever played with at Alabama. He's picked on a guy that's coming back for at least one more year at Alabama. And why I also wanted to make note of that is, given the fact that all the receivers that Alabama's had, all the weapons in previous years, you know, there's a real chance that we have not seen Jalen Waddell. I mean, we've seen him make a lot of spectacular plays, but he's not had the opportunity. You know, it it seems like in recent seasons at Alabama, it's like, all right, today's a Jerry Judy day. Uh, Today's a uh, Devontae Smith. Today's a Henry Ruggs. And then it's kind of like Waddell's lost in the mix. But he may have to be, you know, if it's not Smith, it's going to be Waddell, who's the number one option. So, you know, we could be looking at a guy who's just about to have a monster season for Alabama next year. Yeah, I, I really do think that's what we see. And and I think we see a little bit more out of the backfield. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a little, a little bit involved in the running game, you know. So I think kind of what we were talking about earlier, I just think Sark's going to do everything he can to get this guy the ball. And and like he said, man, he is a dog, dude. He He's one of those guys that – Every time he touches the ball, you you hold your breath because it's it's a matter of time. He's a human joystick, dude. Mm-hmm. One or two moves, he's off to the he's off to the end zone, you know. So that's just the type of player, and a lot of people are going to be kicking away from him. They they don't want him to touch it, but that's just going to help you out with uh with positioning. Absolutely, Shane. Well, that's all I've got on this one. Went a little bit long here. Obviously, the only show of the week due to unforeseen circumstances out of our control, but. You know, hope to get back here next week with a lot more coverage on the SEC. Hopefully have some interviews lined up. Uh, so there's a lot to look forward to around the league next week. You got anything before we hop off here, buddy? Mike, can I read? I've got one review. And uh, I was going to hold off to next week, but it's a Vanderbilt fan. And given everything that's happened in Nashville, I figured I'd read this thing. You got a moment? Absolutely. All right. First one here, of course, by the way, we appreciate everybody that takes the time to give rating and review. Um, uh, we really do appreciate that. Uh, it helps us out a ton. Uh, this one comes from VandyFan87. Great podcast, five star. Appreciate this great SEC podcast. Mike and Shane do a good job of discussing each SEC school. Love the recent episode on Vandy Spring Football with Chris Lee of Vandy Sports. Only thing I don't like is when they make fun of Vandy for having so few fans. <laughs> we out here, we are out here, y'all. Other than that, I'm just glad to know Shane will read out. This is the part I didn't want to do. I'm just glad to know Shane will read out loud that Vandy has beaten Tennessee five of the last eight times. Anchor down. So, Vandy Fan 87, I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate that one. And if anyone needed evidence that we really will read everything, anything and everything you put on one of them five-star reviews, there you go. There's your proof. We'll read it on the show. You want to get yourself a free koozie? That's all you got to do. Leave us a five-star written review. Send that over to us. You can hit hit us up on uh, Twitter, on Reddit on instagram or we got an email to that sec podcast at gmail.com uh, we'll respond to any of those avenues you reach out to us but yeah like shane said we we appreciate those and that that helps the show grow so that's kind of why we ask you to do it uh, but i think that's going to do it for this one shane thanks for joining me as always thank you everyone for tuning in uh, we'll catch you on the next one 
right. See you guys. Go Vols. I'll go brush my teeth. We also got a short clip here at the tail end. This is J.C. Horn talking about Marshawn Lynch and compared him. You know, he's seeing some uh, DeAndre Swift in his game. Wait, wait, wait. You 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 said Muschamp, and then you talked about Bentley, and then you said Lloyd. Instead, you said Marshawn Lynch. Oh man, I, f I fucked that up. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. And, yeah, and then, I was like, what's, <laughs> what's Skittles doing out there, man? I was like, what does he have to do with South Carolina? I'm trying to put, put the two together. I was like, wait, he was he was California, wasn't he? <laughs> what the hell's he doing in Gamecocks?